Good morning. My name is Matthew Scott. I uh, have the distinct pleasure of being the executive pastor here, which means I try and keep us all organized and heading in the same direction, which on a morning like this is very interesting. So uh, special thanks to uh, Casey Brewer, our director of facilities and her entire team who's done uh, a wonderful job all weekend uh, working on the building. Uh, as many of you all know, there was a storm this weekend that knocked out uh, one of the chillers and one of the other chillers was already being worked on. So that's why we are where we are. Thank you uh, to the congregation for your flexibility, uh, for your continued flexibility during COVID. Uh, for those of y'all that showed up and had to go home this morning, we're really sorry. But for the safety of all involved, um, we thought that was best. So welcome to another morning of online worship. Uh, because uh, we were coming out of COVID, ironically, this morning we start a sermon series on gathering. And uh, that is interesting to do from online. Um, but if you are like me, you have noticed uh, during COVID just how much you miss gatherings uh, with people. Uh, even just the small uh, times you have uh, to give people a hug or a handshake or a greeting or see people in the same room. And the energy you get from that uh, is surprising. So um, we apologize we had to be apart again. But uh, today we'll be highlighting the importance of being together. And we're, we're thankful for the live stream that we can still gather in that way. Uh, this morning as we focus on gathering, we're going to focus on the importance of naming things. And what that looks like when God names us and gives us a new divine identity. Uh, specifically, we're going to look at three things, uh, questions that I'll give you at the end of the sermon. I'll give you them now to be thinking on them. What are you called? What do you call others? And what do you hear God calling you or others? So what are you called? What do you call others? And what do you hear God calling you or others? Our passage this morning is from Luke chapter 6 and immediately precedes the Sermon on the Plains Beginning in verse 12, hear now the word of the Lord. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come here to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Naming is an interesting thing, and it's interesting what names portray to people. My full name is Matthew Gormley Scott. I'm the middle of three boys, my older brother Chris and my younger brother Mike. My mom was actually in a Bible study when she went into labor with me, and many of y'all will know our friend Carol Bray, who actually drove her to the hospital, Methodist Metropolitan Hospital on McCullough here in town, 
where I was born. And interestingly enough, that morning, the Bible study was studying the book of Matthew. That's not why I'm named Matthew, but I always find it an interesting part of the story. My middle name is Gormley. I'm named after my maternal grandmother's maiden name. And in my family, my mom will tell stories of the Gormley side. I even have a tray with a large G on it that comes from the Gormley side of the family. Growing up, I always went by the name Matthew until about middle school. And then I started going by Matt. But my family still calls me Matthew and our close friends that knew me from that time. When I went off to college, our emails had our full name shown in the address line, Matthew Gormley Scott. So some of my friends from college still call me Gormley. One of our friends studied Latin of all things in college, so he calls me Matador, which other friends picked up. But just by the different era of my life and what names people use, I can tell where people know me from and what in my life they are referencing. Now we have a son, Matthew Hall Scott, who's named after me and his middle name is his maternal grandmother's maiden name. And he will grow up hearing stories about the Hall family and he already has a silver coin from his great-grandfather Hall just because he carries the name. When Tina's uncle Bob came to visit, he brought family photos. And when you sit my son Matthew next to a family photo of Uncle Bob Hall, they look like twins, funny enough. It's interesting how that works with names and what they carry and what they tend to mean. Names tend to mean things. They tend to carry a story about who we are. They help identify us in time and place. They tie us to a certain people or places or ideas or ideals, and they help us tell the story of our lives. They transmit identity and in some ways even destiny. In the scriptures, names give meaning and identity. They help portray who you are and what you will do. We see this from the beginning of the story. God names Adam, Adam, which is humanity or man, Kind, who is made from the dirt and breathed into with the very breath of God. God then calls Adam to name the animals, an act of giving identity and destiny, which Adam has just received, and he is now called to give out to others. Throughout the scriptures, naming has a very powerful effect. It is a way to demonstrate significance, value, and meaning, and it conjures up destiny and tells of our identity. Your name ties you to a specific people and a family, but also to a story. We talked about Adam. We think often of Abram, the exalted father who has changed to Abraham, father of multitude, the promise that he would have children. This name was given when we thought Sarai was barren, whose name is changed to Sarah, referencing her laughter. Jacob to Israel, who wrestles with God. David is named king, and Jesus is given many names. Chief among them that I remember always, the angel saying to Joseph, you will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, the bread of life, is born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, or in other words, the bakery. And in the story of Ruth, we see several names for telling where things are headed. 
There is a famine in the house of bread, and the two sons' name mean frail and mortal and sickly. When you hear these kinds of names, you know things are not going to go well. Naming is also an invitation to relationship. Our own Chris Estes would remind us that in 12-step recovery programs, we always begin by introducing ourselves by name. Chris will say, hi, I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic, and we all respond, hi, Chris. Chris reminds us it's a way that we introduce ourselves to everyone else. They learn our names and can then begin conversation and relationship with us, and it, in a sense, levels the playing field. Naming helps to humanize us. If I say, hey, you, it sounds rude and crude, but if I say, hey, Daryl, it is much more personal. I see you, I know you, I value you. I always watch how people treat other people, especially people that are caring for them like waiters in restaurants. Hey, miss is not the best way to get someone's attention. But it is amazing what happens when we call someone by name. We are seeing them, valuing them, recognizing them. It humanizes them and recognizes them as the unique person they are. Names can also be very, very endearing. How many of us have nicknames for the people closest to us? A best friend, a spouse, or family members? My favorites are the backstories on how these developed. They usually go back to when the people were very young and they stick with them for the rest of life. We have a friend whose name is a nickname that was given to him because his younger brother could not pronounce his full name. And to my knowledge, everyone he knows calls him by this name. And frankly, I still do not know his full name. But it is kind of a special license to use nicknames. I enjoy the joke, hi, my name is Steven. My friends call me Steve. You can call me Steven. We have some friends that go by shortened nicknames. And I was asking one of them one day what I should address them as. And I brought up this shortened nickname and they said, no, only my closest friends call me that. But these nicknames imply history. They imply knowing. They imply longevity, trust, connection, a time together. It's almost earned over time. So what does it mean that God is naming us? There is a lot in the scriptures about naming as we have discussed, God is often imparting a new identity, even destiny with these names. And as scripture reminds us, our names are also written in the book of life. This is the eternal nature of this new identity, this naming. Richard Rohr talks about this naming as an eternal identity, our true self, our eternal DNA, if you will, that is within us from the beginning. God is merely recognizing it, naming it, calling it forth, helping us to see and uncover what is already there. This is the already but not yet reality of uncovering our true identity in Christ, which God calls forth. Roar talks not about getting rid of the things that hinder us, but this letting the true self emerge. It is where the passions and desires of our lives become the healthiest forms of themselves and our true essence emerges. 
Rohr writes about this coming to pass in our second half of life, when we are able to let go of the ego and this true self rises. It is like the good days when we live into the healthier sides of our Enneagram number. Rohr writes about this naming us, giving us this eternal identity, saying, if we are tethered at some center point, it is amazing how far out we can fly and not get lost. The true self, our name in heaven, is our participation in the great I am. It is what Peter daringly calls the ability to share the divine nature. This true self is characterized by contentment and abiding low-level peace and happiness, and every now and then, it even becomes pure joy. If there is no list of names in eternity, no confidence that we are known and chosen by God, we are burdened with making a name for ourselves every day. We must be self-made, every person out for themselves in a dog-eat-dog world, vying with one another for zero-sum dignity and importance. Instead of comparison, envy, competition, and scarcity, authentic spirituality is an experience of abundance and mutual flourishing. Rohr continues on, if we have no unshakable experience of a divine approval, we will be lost in fragile momentary experiences of victory that cannot be sustained or enjoyed. Our importance is given and bestowed in this universe as part of the unbreakable covenant between us, as our, between us and our creator. We are declared important from the beginning. And when we really know it, we have no need to prove it. We are reminded who we really are in God when Jesus tells us that our name is written in heaven. It's important to note as we look at the scripture this morning, that God is the one that gathered us into this community with him in others to give us a new name, to call out our divine identity and to remind us of our true self. The scripture begins with Jesus spending the evening in prayer, which is common throughout the book of Luke as something that Jesus is doing before big events. Then he calls and chooses the disciples. Reminder, this is the image of the church in the scriptures. A reminder that we are all called and chosen. Then he names us, giving us this new identity, calling forth our destiny and demonstrating meaning, purpose, and value in our lives. Then he leads us down to a level place where we are all on the same plane. He makes things plain to us and to those gathered near, and it is clear that all are welcome. This is a picture of gathering with the divine. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as a gathering in themselves, wanting all with them, they choose and they call, they name and they give identity, then they gather us and heal us all. We are chosen, we are called, we are welcomed into relationship by name and given new divine identity. We go on the journey with God to the world to welcome all, and we welcome them into the community which is healing and meets their very needs. This is the rhythm of divine gathering, which happens over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. So I leave you with these three questions to reflect on this week. 
What are you called? What do you call others? And what do you hear God calling you and others? The best way I know how to summarize what God calls us is the beloved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, before you laid the foundations of the earth, you knew us. You go before us to prepare a place for us. You choose us and call us by name. Lord, give us ears to hear your voice calling us. Open our hearts to know the names of identity and destiny you have put over our lives. Thank you for your love that covers all and continues to welcome us into that holy gathering of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.